How many times do we get knocked down, then you're on the ground? As a gymnast, you're so used to being on the ground, just get back up. You wipe right. off the clock and you're back at it. Life is full of disappointments, but right. you don't have to look at them like disappointments. That's just the wrong opportunity. That wasn't the door you were supposed to walk through. Welcome to the Tenno Podcast by Train Like a Gymnast, a podcast for formerly competitive gymnasts, dancers, and cheerleaders to come together as a community to realize their potential. Together, we go farther. My name's Danielle Gray, and I'm the founder of Train Like a Gymnast, here to help you become the best version of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. On Tenno, I sit down with Olympians, Cirque du Soleil artists, former elites and collegiate athletes, stunt performers, and fitness professionals to show you that you're not alone. Thank you so much for listening to our bonus episode of the 10-0 podcast with Serena Pergola. She is the author of The Silver Lining. I'm so excited for you to get to hear about this because, you know, in our last episode, we talked to Andrea Orris about gymnastics culture and how we are going to move forward in this sport and what is kind of best for gymnasts and athletes in this day and age, you know. We've all experienced some kind of abuse at, at some stage or another. So I'm really excited to dive into you know, Serena's experience and, and what she thinks the future of gymnastics could be. So she published this book back in December, uh, and this September she's actually publishing the audiobook. So for those of you who like podcasts, I assume you'll also like the audiobook version of her book as well. So you can get it on Amazon or you can reach out to her directly for a signed copy, but let's get a little bit into who she is. So thank you so much, Serena, for taking the time to be on our show today. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be talking about these things. I think gymnastics is a really unique sport in that almost every single person I know that was or is a gymnast is totally in love with the sport. So I think that it's really unique in that way. And I'm really excited to be here talking about it and talking about the future of gymnastics. A lot of things are in question right now. Yes, absolutely. With the world and with gymnastics all together. Absolutely. <laughs> so give us a little background if, you know, people have not heard of who you are. What is your gymnastics background? Where did you grow up? And how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was a gymnast from when I was three years old. I started off in club gymnastics. I was a club gymnast until I was about age 15. I did have a career-ending injury at that point. But I also was a high school gymnast, high school varsity gymnast in the seventh and eighth grade. And I was hoping to become an NCAA athlete, but unfortunately that injury never brought those dreams to reality. So I kind of come from a point of putting in all the work to achieve your goals. And unfortunately, outside factors really ending those goals for me a little bit prematurely and how you have to figure out who you are at age 15 after being a gymnast your entire life. Absolutely. So is that career-ending injury the spine incident? Yes. yes. Yeah. You want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I fractured my L5 par when I was 13 years old. It was a gymnastics injury. It was a stress injury leading up to it. And then the actual fracture happened at a competition. I was competing at Uchenko and I actually heard my back crack. So I knew that that was the moment that my life had really changed. That was the first event in the meet and I did finish the rest of the meet with the fractured back. I was then in a back brace for, I want to say about three, four months. And then I did physical therapy and rehabbed myself. I went back to gymnastics for about 
two to three years. And then that's when things kind of obviously had gotten a lot worse. I had herniated discs, bulging discs. I had gotten to the point of really no return. And I was in the doctor's office and they told me I had a choice. I could either decide to stop doing gymnastics and have a future in my life with children and being active, or I could continue being a gymnast and most likely wind up with a worse injury and who knows what that meant. So I had to make the really hard decision of ending something that really was my whole identity and that I was really in love with. So that was something that was really hard. And my book really touches on what came next for me and how I figured out what that was. Absolutely. So going back to that competition, do you feel like, I mean, and a lot of gymnasts or a lot of athletes in general understand that push through the pain mentality. And a lot of times normal kids or regular kids need to be told push harder, this and that. And most gymnasts need to learn to listen to your body. Why do you think that is? Why do we push so hard even through a broken back? And you can do that. (laughs) Yeah. I think that has to do a lot with the culture of gymnastics. Something that I learned at a young age as a gymnast was, and it's this recurring theme in my book as well, is there is nothing bad enough to stop you from finishing a competition. And that idea was what made me finish that competition. And it wasn't necessarily the coach at that meet because the coach at that meet was one of the most supportive and incredibly encouraging coaches I ever had. And it wasn't her telling me to keep going. It was, she didn't even know. I didn't even say anything until the end of the meet. So it's more of that internal factor that gymnasts are convinced that it's worse to stop than it is to keep going and hurt yourself worse. Yeah. I think that that's something that came from the beginnings of gymnastics. I mean, I just recently watched Athlete A and they talk about how they were injured and they didn't say anything. And it's that instilled fear that if you do say something, you're going to get in trouble. Well, then you're, you did something else wrong to put you at that point. So I think that that comes back to really that culture of gymnastics, which is what we really need to work on is why are we instilling in these young girls that they should keep going when their body is telling them to stop. Right. Did your coaches at any point ever make you feel that way where it's, you know, am I actually feeling this? Because Andrea talked about, you know, something hurting or my, my stomach hurting. She actually ended up vomiting on the floor and the coach was like, I'm not cleaning that up. So at 13 or whatever, she's cleaning up her own vomit. And it's like, well, am I actually sick? Is my stomach actually hurt? Or am I just making this up because I don't want to do conditioning or this and that? Did you ever experience anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I experienced that a lot as a young gymnast. So I think that's really what instilled that groundwork in me to just always think that way. Right. And then as I got older and got more competitive and NCAA gymnastics got put on the table because my skill level was there, it was almost instilled even more. Like if you want to get to that level, you're going to keep pushing because you're not there yet. So if you want to get there, you got to get there tomorrow. And I think that that has a lot to do with this like incessant rush in gymnastics. 12 year olds are training for the Olympics and 13 year olds are training for NCAA gymnastics. Whereas in other sports, yeah, you're thinking about those things, but there are a few sports that it's like, if you don't get your scholarship in the eighth grade, you're not, you're not going to be a college gymnast. Yeah. So I think that that's something that, I mean, I experienced it when I, right before I fractured my back, I was already looking at colleges and I was in eighth grade. 
So I think that it's interesting. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it blows my mind now. Because yeah. how did I know where I wanted to go to college at 13? I didn't. But I think that that's something that if you want to get to those higher levels, that's what they tell you you have to do. So if that's your goal, you do it. Right. So how do you think gymnasts need to be spoken to or coached? So what is the proper language if you're trying to explain that, yes, you need to push because you're not where you want to be, but to, one, listen to your body, two, to be heard, seen, and respected and believed? How does the child need to be spoken to by parents and coaches? Yeah, I'll do coaches first. I think when it comes to coaches, I had a lot of coaches in my gymnastics career. I didn't have like the same coach the whole time. Like I know a lot of gymnasts do, but for me, I have one coach in my head that sticks out as kind of like the star student of my coaches. She was actually my high school gymnastics coach. So it wasn't as much learning the skills there. It was more just competing them, but her approach was always leading with encouragement. <laughs> Our high school gymnastics team was a little bit unique in that she didn't have you try out. So everybody was on the team. So we had a huge team. We had like 30 girls on the team and no other team did this. But Kim was unique in that way. Like she did not want anyone to feel like they could not make the team. If you mm -hmm. want to be on the team and you were going to show up for practice and put your best effort into whatever skill you were doing, whether that was a tumble salt or a double back, yeah. you want to do that. So I think that that approach in leading with just meeting people at their ability, not everyone can be an Olympian, clearly, because there's only five. Right. So how do we harness people's real true talent and ability? I think that that's something that's really complex because there are some people who are extremely talented and if they're not pushed, they're never going to reach their full potential. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, my, I guess the way I learn, you could say, right. is by people supporting me mm -hmm. and telling me I, I can do this. And I, ha I not only have the ability and the talent and the drive, but they also believe in me. I think it has a lot to do with just knowing somebody believes in you. Right. And I wasn't really told that a lot until I had that coach. It was always just like, well, things come really easy to you. Mm. So if you work really, really, really hard, you'll be really, really, really good. Yeah. Kim didn't really take that approach. It was more like, I want to meet you where you're at today. Right. If your elbow hurts, then we don't do bars. Right. And it was meeting me at what my ability was at that day. Some people might say that that doesn't bring you to the highest levels of gymnastics. And maybe that's what we need to change about the culture of gymnastics. But I think that personally, really just leading with encouragement and positivity, because breaking people down is definitely not the approach, especially when gymnasts start usually at three, four, five years old. Yeah. You're affecting them for the rest of their lives, not just their gymnastics career. So True. True. And so what do you have to say for parents speaking to it? Because in that instilled fear culture is, oh, if you tell your parents this, they're not going to understand because they're not gymnasts. They don't, they're not doing what you do. So how can a parent understand their gymnast or understand the culture more or know when a coach is being abusive to their child? When it comes to parents, I think, so my mom actually wrote like an open letter to me in my book that's included in my book. It's one of my favorite chapters. Of course, I'm a little biased, but it is one of my favorite chapters. Yeah. And the title of it is Open Your Hearts and Your Ears. And I think that now, years later, when my mom and I talk about it, she 
thinks about a lot how she didn't maybe fully listen to everything that was going on and she didn't know to. I think it's hard for a parent who was never a gymnast and my mom was not a gymnast mm -hmm. to know kind of like the warning signs. It's almost impossible to know the warning signs a lot of the time because it looks different every single time. Right. So I don't think that it's the parent's fault for not knowing at all. I think it's actually quite the opposite. It's more just that having more open conversation. So really just initiating a conversation about it. And when your child is shutting down, trying to figure out why. Is it because they're being abused mentally, emotionally, or physically? Or is it because, you know, they just had a bad practice and they couldn't get their giants around? I think gauging that and figuring out the root of the problem instead of just kind of glossing over it. So it's really just talking in general, talking about everything, really just having those open conversations are so important. Absolutely. I agree. And if you're not allowed to watch your child's practice, that is a giant red flag, <laughs> especially so, but there's some that was not a red flag. So I know when you were competing, right? Okay. We, we all have the push to compete, to push through pain, to finish a competition and do all that. And, and I'm referring at page 38 is what I'm thinking. I don't remember what chapter that is, but page 38. Yes. Would you still have done gymnastics if there were not competitions? That answer is without a doubt, yes. Mm -hmm. I think the follow-up on it is a little bit more complex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it always is. I loved competing. I think that when I started at age three, I like, could not wait until I turned seven and was able to compete. Because mm -hmm. at that point, I don't know if this is still true, actually, but you had to be seven to compete. So that could have changed, but probably, <laughs> probably has at this point. This yeah. story. But, so I think that competition was exciting because it gave me something to look forward to, but I'm someone who's very intrinsically motivated. Mm -hmm. So that could be why I would say I would still do gymnastics, even if there wasn't competition. Because when I was young, like three, four, five, six, even, it was just about really just getting to the next skill. So that was always exciting to me. It was like, okay. So I did my cartwheel. Now I can work on my round off. And right. it's something that simple that was just exciting to me. Exactly. Now, how that was approached is a little bit different. But for me personally, I was like, wow, this is so cool. I achieved something and now I get to try something new. So that was why I thought competition was so exciting was because you were always working towards that next level. So I'm competing level seven and I'm working towards level eight. Even when you were competing level seven, you were already working towards level eight. So I think that that's this concept in gymnastics that not a lot of sports have because not a lot of sports have as many levels as gymnastics has. So your goals are constantly changing. The skills you're working towards are constantly changing. Yep. And the quote unquote best is always changing. So I think that when it comes to doing gymnastics without competition, mm -hmm. it's more about just the pure passion for the sport, just loving to go into the gym and practice and right. do gymnastics. So I personally did have that love for the sport. So yeah, I, I would absolutely, I would love to go back to gymnastics tomorrow and just do it. Right. My right. would allow me. <laughs> we all do. And that, and that's another question I have is what makes us fall in love with gymnastics in particular? Because yeah, you, other sports, like people love the sport, but I don't know. There's something about gymnastics where it, it is that part of your identity, right? I am a gymnast. So what aspects of gymnastics make us so passionate about it, in your opinion? I think that the true power that gymnastics takes of the body and of the mind is what 
I find really connected to that passion. So I think we're defying gravity. When you do gymnastics, you defy gravity. It's just a fact. That always amazed me was like, when I would do a side aerial on the beam, I'm like, what? Like, it was almost like every single time I did it, I'm like, oh my God, I, I can't believe I could do that. Right. And, you know, you get so caught up in it, you forget about those things and you're just thinking about the next skill all the time. Exactly. But when you just step back and you look at it, and especially now I spend a lot of time just stepping back and looking at what I did and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I, my body was able to do that. Yeah. So I think that that power of the body and then also the power of the mind in terms of, I think about now what I think my takeaway from gymnastics, my biggest takeaway from gymnastics is this concept of getting back up. So if I did the side aerial and I fell, I essentially got back up, wiped off the chalk and I tried it again. And I think that that really relates to everyday life because how many times do we get rejected from a school we want to go to, rejected from a person, rejected from an opportunity, rejected from so many different things. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like you get knocked down, then you're on the ground, someone kicks you, someone kicks you again, someone kicks you again. But as a gymnast, you're so used to being on the ground Mm -hmm. that you just get back up, you wipe off the clock and you're back at it. So I think that's something that, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's much harder to do than other times. But for me, that was my biggest takeaway from gymnastics. And I think about it every single day because life is full of disappointments, but you don't have to look at them like disappointments. That's just the wrong opportunity. That wasn't the door you were supposed to walk through. So it's okay that that door is closed because there's a window that's going to open. So for me, I think is why gymnasts love the sport so much is really just the takeaways because The reason I still call myself a gymnast is because I love all the things I've learned from gymnastics that I'm able to still bring into my everyday life. And I don't think a lot of sports give you that. Mm -hmm. So that's why I find the sports so unique and so special. Right. And, and going off of that, because, okay, life is full of disappointments. When one door closes, there's a window type of deal. (laughs) (laughs) Gymnastics teaches you so much. And I think that for you, when you self-reflected and realized whoa, that stemmed from gymnastics, or I am the way I am because I was a gymnast and I am a gymnast. Is that what inspired you to write this book? Or was there something else, like a pivotal moment that you went, I need to write this and tell this story? Yeah. So if your listeners don't know all about my book, the subtitle of my book is The Intersection of Sexual Assault and Anxiety Through the World of Gymnastics. So we do cover a lot of heavy topics in my book. For me personally, writing this book it served two purposes. Personally, it served the purpose of therapeutic relief. And when we talk about things, yep. it really helps us work through them. But then when we write them down, we don't put any restrictions on ourselves. We just write. Yeah. You don't even believe what's coming out. And honestly, a lot of the chapters that people have reached out to me and said resonated with them the most are the chapters that I wasn't even planning on writing. It was just stuff that I was like, okay, I'm going to just type. And yeah. Next thing you know, it was a chapter that someone's emailing me that I don't even know. Months later, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. I wasn't even going to include that. Right. So that's one aspect of the book for me personally. And then the other aspect of the book is really this sense of community. So I wrote this book with all of the intentions in the world to just create a community of people that know they're not alone. Mm-hmm. They're not alone in 
suffering anxiety. They're not alone in being sexually assaulted. They're not alone in body image issues. They're not alone in no longer being a gymnast and not knowing what their identity is. They're not alone in life, in anything they're going through. So that was really, I think, what makes me a year later still so inspired to get this book into people's hands is because it's funny. I just talked about this with my mom the other day. I said to her, when I first decided to write this book, I said to my therapist, Jen, I said, Jen, I'm writing this book with the intention of touching one person's life. Yeah. That's it. I just wanted to touch one person's life. Right. So now months later, people who have reached out to me that I haven't spoken to in years. I don't even know at all. Are my closest friends. I'm like, wow, this can have such a huge impact in just telling someone they're not alone. Yeah. So that I think was something that really just motivated me to write this because I think it's just so important to lead with kindness and with empowerment in our everyday lives because people just need to know that they have someone by their side. And I think that it takes a lot out of us to get to that point sometimes to tell our story, to own our story, to live our story. But once we do, it's like this freeing feeling where you're like, okay, there are so many other people who have gone through this too. And they have all these experiences and lessons that they can teach me and I can teach them and yep. we can do this together. Yeah. So there was twofold in why I wrote the book, but I think that yeah. The second part with the community, I mean, it helped me even more than just writing the book itself. Right. I, I am part of the community too. So I think that I needed everybody who reached out to me. I needed them just as much as they needed me. Probably. Yeah. So that's exactly our purpose too. Like now you're a part of the training like a gymnast community. It, yes. That's our thing. It's like, you're not alone. You left your sport and you're like, now what? It, it's it's right. that same concept of you're not alone. There are others like you when you're an adult you're not in those organized sports. You're not around those sorts of people. So it's a lot harder to realize that you're not alone. And so having these little platforms or these resources or these communities for you to realize, oh, I'm friends with somebody across the world who has a shared experience because we're all gymnasts is just, it's something that you, it's really, really rare and they don't really exist. So I love, thank you again, like so much for reaching out because this is definitely applicable to our community and i know there are people in our community who maybe you know i haven't experienced something but you have and so then you guys have that shared experience together and it's just everybody working together so tangent back to this so why <laughs> so why well, I fully support that tangent exactly <laughs> so why do you have the specific passion of helping others find the silver lining because yes we're talking about you know, very heavy subjects and, you know, maybe it's hard to see the light. So why do you want people to see maybe disappointments in life as just, you know, the wrong opportunity or not right for them or see their story as something that's empowering versus making them feel like a victim? Why do you particularly have that passion? Not to be cliche, but this was even before I wrote my book. When I first started telling the people in my life that were closest to me about everything I had gone through, I decided that I was going to get this tattoo on my foot of a lotus flower. So a lotus flower is this absolutely beautiful flower and it grows in muddy water. So 
it's this idea of something beautiful coming from something ugly. You look at a muddy pond, you're like, this is disgusting. This is worthless. This has no use for me in my life. And then a lotus flower blooms in this muddy water. And you're like, wait a second. There is something positive that can come out of this negative experience. So when I realized that in my own life, I felt like I needed to share it because I think in creating this community, it's something that I wish I had when I was going through it. So I think now, okay, how do I use what I've learned and share it with everybody? Because I feel like it's this calling in my heart to instill this faith and this kindness and this empowerment, not to be repetitive, but really instilling that in other people because I learned it all already. I've been through it and I am nowhere near on the other side of it. I think that this is a lifelong journey. So I would love to hear other people's experiences and how, where they're at in their journey and what they've learned. And I think bringing all of that together and coming together makes us so much more powerful. I mean, think about the sister survivors. I don't know if everybody watched the ESPYs when they won that award, all the Nasser survivors, and think about all those women standing on that stage. I mean, I was at home Mm. and I felt the power coming from that stage. Like just the strength in numbers and in community is so great. I felt like if I could lead people to a community together, then I wanted to do that. And I felt like I, I had to. That was what God called me to do was to share what I know and what I've learned mm-hmm. and what I still don't know and what I need to learn mm-hmm. with this community. Absolutely. A perfect world for us is a, is a world where talented people share those talents and their gifts with the world wholeheartedly. So you're contributing to this perfect world right now. You're using your experience, your gifts, your talents to make somebody else's life better, improve their life, make them realize that they have gifts too. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of that little puzzle piece that connects things together. So as we start to get into like almost the the other side of it, I guess two-part question here. How do you feel like the sport can be healthier? And what does USA Gymnastics do now? How do they do their part? how does gymnastics kind of reconstruct its entire, I guess, governing body and just image to the world? First off, thank you for creating this community because none of this is possible without you also. So you are a huge piece in this community as well. So thank you for all that you do and all the lives that you've already touched and are going to touch with your podcast because I know you touched my life with it. So I just want to start with that. But (laughs) second off, I think, I mean, when we think about what the future of gymnastics is and what's USA Gymnastics part in that, I mean, I write a little bit about this in the book as well. I have a whole chapter where I kind of quote unquote call out USA Gymnastics and I call them to do their part. And I think that their part in this, they did part one of it in that they have acknowledged that they were wrong. So this new president, Lili Luang, She has said, you know, there's an issue here and we need to fix it. And I think that that's a good thing. That's a start. Mm -hmm. But then we have to think about what's next. And I think that what's next is, has not happened yet. All those people that were involved and covered it up and we learned even more of those people in Athlete A than I even knew about. Mm -hmm. 
personally. So it's about taking those people and they have to get out of the sport completely. We need to get rid of everybody that instilled all of that negative culture. So that's step one. And then step two is, I mean, we'd be starting from ground zero. So how do we then build up? So I think building back up goes back to a lot of how, how we talk to our gymnasts and how we talk about our gymnasts also, because we should be celebrating them for all of their talent and all of their ability. I mean, think about the people that were in Athlete A, like Maggie Nichols, she defies gravity on a level that I know I never did. Right. So it's about why was someone like that broken down? That's someone who adds to our sport. That's someone who spreads kindness, who is positive. So why are we not putting a spotlight on her and taking people like that who are adding positive things to the sport and asking them how we can remedy the top of gymnastics because they reached the top and then talking to our gymnasts on, you know, more of just that club level, like myself, how can we fix club gymnastics on a club level and teach our coaches? Because I don't think it, every coach just has no regard. I think that they don't know. Mm -hmm. And I talk a lot about how the safe sport and all these things are all online. So all of the coaches learning is online. They never have to get together and physically learn anything and talk about it and talk about what they've done in the gym and how this certain gymnast reacted to X, Y, Z and how we could have dealt with that situation better. None of that happens. It's all just online. So it feels very impersonal mm -hmm. who knows if they're really even paying attention to it maybe they're making dinner while they're doing it they're not all in and I feel like with a sport like gymnastics that you are getting quite literally children I mean three four five six years old these are children you're changing their whole lives you're getting them at their formative years it's so important to know how to talk to to teach these young gymnasts not just how to be gymnasts but how to be women. And I think gymnasts learn that intrinsically, but we're never quote unquote taught it. Yeah. And that's something that I think that needs to be remedied is just the education. Like you need to teach your coaches. You, it's impossible for them to get better without learning. Right. And let's learn from our mistakes. Let's admit our mistakes. Let's talk about our mistakes. As USA Gymnastics, let's say, hey, the fact that we let this person Steve Penny run USA Gymnastics for so long is a bad thing. Like how did, it blows my mind. It yeah. blows my mind. And why did we let that happen? So it's about really just learning from our mistakes and then educating everyone in the sport, gymnasts, coaches, parents, everybody in the sport that's involved in the sport. And then hopefully, you know, we can build back up. It's going to be a slow process. But to me personally, I think that it's worth that work you know, these young gymnasts are becoming young women and later in their lives, powerful women that are successful and that don't have to think about the positives and the negatives that came from gymnastics. So, and I mean, is there a perfect science for it? No, or else we probably would have done it already. But I think that it's, it's a learning process. So let's start learning. Let's jump in and start learning. I'm super grateful and inspired at that last little section because you just got my mind working and I'll probably talk to you after we start the recording about an idea that I don't want to <laughs> share with everybody quite yet but I want to start building it. <laughs> yes yes we're gonna be a part of this this change so but I mean the final question basically that we ask everybody who comes on the podcast is what does it mean to you to train like a gymnast to train like a gymnast 
is really harnessing that power that I talked about earlier. So the power of the mind and the body and the power of the body in meeting ourselves at our physical ability each and every single day, whatever that looks like. And then the power of the mind in that we have all competed in one of the most challenging sports ever. So we clearly have this power in our mind to be successful. And I think that it's harnessing this discipline and this self-confidence and the dedication in a positive way and really not letting it be of detriment to us, but letting it propel us into further successes in the future and letting it lead us to follow our calling and follow our passions in our futures. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And it's so interesting to see the patterns because whenever we ask this question, everyone says something different to an extent, but it all is the same thing. <laughs> and it's the best thing. I want to make just a compilation of all your guys. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> and it's just, it's just so... It's just so incredible to see and to hear. It, it makes me so happy and so happy to be a part of it. So grateful to have a community of people who understand this. So with everything that we said, I hope if you're listening, you have resonated with certain things that we've talked about. You're interested and want to hear her full story and, and get her book. If you have a question for Serena, reach out to her directly and how can they do so? Yeah, absolutely. So you can always email me. My email is my first initial of my first name and then my last name. So spergola at U-M-I-C-H, go blue, dot edu. <laughs> it's not go blue in there, but <laughs> go blue. <laughs> go blue. Um, but, and then you can also reach out to me on Instagram. It's just my first and last name. So Serena Pergola and then same thing on Facebook. But I'm always happy to chat about agree, disagree, whatever your opinion is. I'm always happy to hear it and have a conversation because that's how we learn. So, Absolutely. Let's create a conversation. Let's be a part of the change. Thank you again so much for listening. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be on this episode. Share your story. And I hope that everybody out there who is listening goes out to get your book. I wish you the most success. And I just want to thank you again for being a part of the T-Line community. Thank you. Want to win a free coaching session from me? If you've loved everything you've heard in this episode or love 10 in general, we want to hear from you and we may even feature you in a future episode. So all you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, screenshot that review, and then send it to team at trainlikeagymnast.com. That's team at trainlikeagymnast.com to be entered. If you win, we'll contact you to schedule your session.